This is the Radio Check Podcast, life in the concert touring industry. And we're back once again. We are on a tear, brother Chris. This has been fantastic. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we've always had a good pace or a cadence, you know, but for some reason, we're just cranking them out now. And it's been good. It's been good. The only the only thing about this is, you know, the more we crank out, the longer it takes for us to get them out. So, yeah, uh, all of our all of our pop culture stuff. And, and news references are kind of old news people listen to the podcast you know but yeah i can't get okay. that way yeah it's okay. no it's okay yeah, they're good problems to have you know and i uh, i told you earlier this week it's like oh i'm gonna have to hold off on that other posting just because i ran out of space on on our hosting site and it's like i gotta wait for the the renewal of the you know the contract or whatever it might be but it's all been great um i yeah, really I love I don't know. I just, I feel like I've found my stride in the past month or two with, uh, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm pretty excited about the TPA TPG stuff that's going on and then doing more research myself about seeing what's happening in the music industry during the pandemic. Um, not only the excitement of the industry starting to perk back up, but just the development of so many resources for the well-being um, of touring crew, um, yeah. the camaraderie, the communication, um, I just feel like you and I stepped in shit, you know, by thinking about starting this podcast as early as we did. And just to kind of, you know, I don't want to say that we were trailblazers or whatever, but, you know, we're part of that voice and I couldn't be more proud. And I, I think we're getting great feedback from this. Um, you great conversations with the guests and just it reminds me of just how amazing the people are in the industry and um, how fun and professional and giving and concern they are with their fellow, uh, you know, not only humans, but, you know, people in the industry. So, yeah, yeah, you know, totally agreed. And, you know, this, this, this reset that we're doing, you know, and whether you call it an industry reset or just, you know, individual reset, it's, it's been nothing but positive and good. Yeah. You know, so. we're all looking out for each other, we're all doing things for each other. And, uh, you know, it's humbling, I think. It is. It is humbling. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I am not going to let this go. I don't know. I know you're going to get busy and other people are going to get busy, but I'm going to find whatever way I need to find to keep this going. Um, Good for you. And we need well, you, man. We, we need you. It's, it's going to be great. And I, I just want to say thank you to every single person that's downloaded one of our podcasts and you continue to do so and give us great feedback. Please leave a review. But in all honesty, you know, the goosebumps I get and the enthusiasm of doing these over and over again are because this is successful. People are downloading, people are listening, people are chiming in, communicating. So love yeah. it. So thank yeah. you to everybody on that one. And um, I guess on that note, before we get too kind of sappy here, I'm going to say thank you right up front to our next guest, because this is going to be yet another fantastic one, I feel. Um, someone I don't know, um, but I hope by the end I will get to know better and in the future maybe get to meet him face to face. Um, but Chris, uh, mm -hmm. who did you pull out of your Rolodex this week? Well, speaking of goosebumps, <laughs> uh, today today we have uh, someone I consider a friend. We don't know each other very well, but now we've always, uh, when we bump into each other, it's always great to, to catch up. Uh, coming from Dallas, Texas, Mr. Ken Pooch Van Druten. Hey, man. Hello. Hello. How are Ooh. you guys? It's so great good. to see you. Yeah. We're, well, we can see each other. Yes. And of I course, know. you know, 
uh, you, you being an audio guy, of course, your 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 quality of audio is is explicit. You know, I mean, well, thank you. You know, you know, I've got you know, we've got microphones, but you know, I can tell you 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 look like Joe Rogan. You know, you're, you're like you're, you're you've got this you've got this whole thing going on. You're you're you know you're you're got it rocking. So I mean, you? you know, the beginning of the pandemic, I just realized how bad the audio was uh, and being an audio guy, you know, we started using zoom all the time. I was like, man, there's gotta be a way to make it better. Um, and it, and it was, a, it was, man, it was a journey <laughs> to get to where I am now where um, I think I got it sounding pretty good, but um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm, I'm happy to, have had this time to kind of reset like what you guys were talking about. Um, but I am um, looking forward to going back to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? You know, um, I mean, we, we have this conversation a lot of, this is what retirement is like, you know, when, Oh man, ready, you know? <laughs> this is like retirement with less options. You know? It totally is. <laughs> you know, it's like, we can't, we can't even roll our wheelchairs down to the buffet. I oh, mean, my we can now, but you know, it's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. I discovered how um, wrapped up in my job I am, like how entwined being an audio guy is in my life, like how important it is. Because when it got taken away from me, I was like, you know, I was, it was, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I, I, I guess I'll fix some stuff on my house. I guess I'll, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And it was really interesting it was a journey to be like wow okay my job is really my life mm -hmm. um and it was it, it's actually been nice to step away from that a little yeah i, I agree i agree but you know we, we all have that 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 longing you know whether it be you know the art of it or whether it's the camaraderie of it or whether it's just you know i'm addicted to that schedule and the traveling but you know right. it's, it's kind of all of it actually it is but, you know when when you're home it's, it's interesting. It kind of just yeah. sh shuts off. Cause you know, we always have, you know, we have breaks between tours and between sure. breaks, you know, sure. it's, it's, if I've always thought it'd be interesting for, for, you know, a specialist or, or a doctor or a psychologist or somebody to, you know, to, to analyze us because same people every day, all day, yes. you travel on the bus with them, they're shoulder to shoulder, same people every day, every day, days off, you're seeing them, you know, it's like every day, every day, every day, months and months go by. And then, the light switch just gets shut on. Yeah. And then you're home by yourself and you're thinking, wow, you know, I, I, uh, it, it's, 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 it's like the, you know, the train has stopped, you know, and, and, and you're in, you ever get off a treadmill after yeah. running and then you're like, kind of, you know, you're just kind of like, wow, that's, Whoa. Kind of weird. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of the feeling. So it's, it's, it's kind yeah, of yeah. weird. And, but you know, we're going to have to reverse that somehow. Yeah, because, for sure. You know, we're, we're going to go on the road and we're going to have that, you know, except you know, other side of the coin feeling of, wow, I'm not at home anymore. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, you know, I hear on the social media, everyone having relief about, hey, this looks like maybe we're going back to work, you know, and, and even some people going, hey, did my first gig today, you know, whatever. And what's weird about it is, I had anxiety about not working and now I'm having anxiety about working um, and what that's going to be like after not doing anything. You know, I stopped in uh, October 2019 um, was the last tour that I did 
with the plan, I had a tour booked on April 1st <laughs> All right. of 2020. So, and so that time period from, you know, November, November to April was the longest period that I'd ever been at home for 20 years. And then it turned into, you know, what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm coming up on, you know, a very long time of yeah, not you are. Yeah, so the you anxiety are. of that, of like going back to that and being like, you know, I mean, I've done some gigs, right? Like, I, you know, I've mixed some churches here in Dallas. Um, so it's not like I haven't kept up, kept my chops up. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about what, what this new world looks like in our deal, yeah. you know, you know, we're, we're told where to go. I'm, t- Oh, my bus. Okay. I get on that bus. It goes, takes me wherever I want to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't have to worry about any of that stuff, but now there's this added layer of what's going to happen today is today going to be, you know, I, I don't know. So all of it is very, I don't know, man. It's weird. It's like, yeah. I, I'm having some anxiety over it. That's exactly. um, You just said, I don't know a few times. And I'm saying the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But you know, the good news is we're all going to get a chance to see. For sure. That's, that's for sure. You know, it's about 2022 is just going to be chocker block. It's just, you know, know, it's, it's, it's sell your house because you won't need it anymore. It's time to, (laughs) it's time to, it's time to go to work for a long time. But, you know, you know, you know, Pooch, you're, 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 you're one of the sound guys out there that people go to, you know, you're, you're, I don't want to say you're an enigma, but you're, 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 you're very unique in your, you know, you work mixed metal, R&B, pop, rap, k-pop i mean you just you know a lot of us are kind of you know we're we're stuck in these grooves where you know one tour leads to to another and it's kind of the same genre or whatever you you seem to have moved all over the industry very at a, at a very high level you know and uh and, and i and I, I guess that would be one thing i think i'd be interested in hearing is not do not you, do you, do not you, by do you, design. Not yeah, by design. No, but, but but you know, yeah. do you change your approach? I mean, do you do you think to yourself, okay, pooch, I'm pooch. You know, this is how I mix, and this is how it's going to be. Or do I go, oh man, I'm, I I just got off Lincoln Park, and now I'm going into Justin Bieber. Do I change my approach? Does my equipment change? Do does do I do I you know? I, I know on, on, on Lincoln Park, I have this kind of PA and this kind of low end and this kind of, you know, this is this is what I needed for that to be successful. Do I change my approach? I mean, of course, if you're going to go mix, mix uh, you know, a jazz artist, you know, of course, you're, you're going to change your approach. But going from an arena act to an arena act where you have to serve 14,000 people at a high volume, you know, do you change your approach? I do. Um I think that certain styles of music lend to um, what the audience wants from that music. So mm-hmm. for instance, you know, I, like you said, I, I mixed some rap acts. I miss Travis Scott and what his audience wants. They're 15 year old kids who just want to get pummeled by sub information. Like that's their, that's what they want. They want so much sub information that their body cavity is shaking, um, <laughs> which 
it is absolutely the opposite approach to Iron Maiden that I mix. You know what I mean? Right. Those guys don't want to hear anything below 100 hertz, <laughs> like period. Um, so I, I think it really, I, when I move from genre to genre, I think about that. And for me, it's about studying the, not only the records that that artist has and what their music sounds like, but also what kind of genre they're in. Um, and, uh, you know, basically tune the PA that way or, or lend my mix to be that way. Um, I don't so much change my gear. My gear pretty much remains the same. Um, but um, definitely like the thought process of what's important, you know, um, in, in the different genres is, is, uh, is something that I think about. And, you know, I've been super lucky. Like I said, this is not by design that I'm all of a sudden um, able to mix all these different genres of music. Um, it, it just kind of happened that way. Like I, I started with metal um, as a live sound guy. And, but before that, <laughs> before that, um, you know, I was a recording engineer and producer and, and, um, you know, I, I went to Berkeley college of music and I moved to Los Angeles and was a studio guy. And that oh, wow. was going to be my life, you know? Um, and I, you know, for the first five years after college, that was my life. I lived in a studio and, and, um, I had a quite a, a really nice career going on. I, I was mixing, oh, wow. um, you know, some, some stuff. I, I got, was that, was that 80s? We're talking 80s? No, here? uh, 80, well, late 80s, 89, 90. Okay. So um, you went to Berkeley. Did you go there as a musician, as a musician or? I you... did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up like as a multi-instrument player. I started okay. playing classical piano when I was three years old. Um, okay. basically when I could start walking my, mom propped me up on a piano bench. Um, and by the time I was 13, I was doing like competition, um, piano playing. Wow. Um, but then I learned that, uh, the girls don't like a classical pianist so much. So then I, <laughs> I picked up other instruments, obviously like guitar and, and drums and finally landed in my teenage years, landed on bass guitar, electric bass. Um, and so that was my instrument going to Berkeley college of music. Did you, did you learn much about the, the studio in, at Berkeley? Or? Yeah, yeah. So the way that Berkeley works is the first two years are intensive study of ear training, you know, harmony, uh, and of your particular instrument where you have to pass a certain number of proficiencies um, so that they can say anyone that has graduated from Berkeley College of Music has, is this proficient on an instrument. Um, and then the second two years of your four-year degree are focused on a major and i chose music production and engineering um oh. and so that major is um super focused studio i was living in a studio i i begged for a job at a local studio in boston and started as a runner and then by the time i graduated i was their head engineer there oh wow um, fantastic you know yeah. this, this, this education is it seems really interesting because you're the front of house guy, you know, you have the chops and, and the know-how to walk right up on stage during soundcheck and approach a musician or a singer and talk to them about their approach to that instrument. 
Absolutely. And, 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 and with, with, with some cred behind it. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's funny when I first talk to a client and they open that door and they communicate with me, I try to let them know in some sort of way that I know what they're talking about musically or, you know, whatever, um, so that they feel more um, at peace with working with me, you know, like they know that they could say, you know, on the in the eighth bar of the chorus, you know, um, you're, you're playing a, a different chord here and I would know what's going on. Um, it's weird. I, you know, there are front of house guys that have no musical background. Um, some really well-known ones. Um, but I don't know how that works. Like, I don't know if you don't know anything about harmony and ear training and, um, musical, uh, structure. I don't know how you communicate with an artist, but I, I, I've never had that problem, but I always wonder, you know, when I hear about a front of house guy, that was you know, a former DJ for instance, or, or whatever, I always go, huh, that's interesting. I don't know. We'll see how that, see how that goes. Have you walked on stage successfully and walked up to an artist and said, uh, maybe, maybe not, you know, you're not going to walk up to, you know, the guy standing downstage center, maybe. Yeah. Uh, have you ever walked up to an artist and say, hey, uh, I think you're playing that wrong or maybe, uh, maybe not so much in, in a, in a, as a matter of fact way, but you know, kind of in a, in a professional way or, or maybe you should try this a different way or, I mean. Yeah, I think, I think I have definitely with musical directors, I've had a communication of you're not, not, not you're doing it wrong, but more like, um, Hey, in that one section, it sounds like, the keyboard player over here is playing the wrong chord in comparison to what you're doing. Um, and so he then sees me as an ally, right? Because he may not have heard that maybe that the keyboard player is not in his ears or whatever. Um, so now I'm the guy that is now listening to all of it and I can be his ears out in the audience. Um, right. and, I, and I've made some true musical director allies that way. Nice. Well, um, you know, you've also, because, you know, I, I have the ability to have your resume up here in front of me. It's online and I'm using it as my kind of cheat sheet here. <laughs> but I also see you've worked for a couple of bands that if you walked up on stage to tell them they're doing something wrong, you could be up there for a long time. <laughs> yes. where, where, you know what, you know, I'm going to stay at the front house. This is, you know, you're, you know, maybe playing it a little, off, <laughs> you know, wrong is, is your signature sound, you know. Well, that's the, you know, I mean, that's like friends don't let friends mix monitors, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to be close. I want, <laughs> I'm cool out in front of house, but if I interject myself into it, it's my yeah. own fault, you know? Well, speaking of monitors, you spent a lot of your early career. I did. Mixing monitors. Um, do you, do you find that uh, monitor engineering and, you know, whether it's through different artists or different genres helps you as a front of house guy as well? Or do you think it's just such a completely different world. It's kind of a different world, but I think it definitely improved some, it improved frequency knowledge for sure. And remember when I, you know, so back up here for a second, I, I started working as a front of guy, front of house guy first, after okay. I was working in the, the studio, I went immediately to becoming the front of house engineer of warrant. And oh, really? um, yeah. And, um, that's, that's not on your resume. <laughs> no, I, uh, 
there's a lot of those hair bands that are not on my resume. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, I've, I've, I've missed a couple myself. Yeah, As, I did one show with Warren in the 80s. It was in Florida. I was with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and Warren oh, wow. was their support act. I don't know if you were there at the time, but... Probably not. I, 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 it's more like 92 is when I, oh, okay. I, I started doing metal bands when metal was dying, right? So gotcha. like um, I was doing a here, quick story. I was doing a demo with Warrant in the studio. I was their producer and their recording engineer and their lead singer, Janie Lane said, hey, we're doing a show tomorrow. Would you like to mix our show? And I said, well, I've never mixed live sound ever at all. I've only played as a musician, as a live sound, but I've never, I've never done it. I've not even done it in a bar or anything. And he's like, no problem. You'll be fine. Come on. <laughs> um, and the next day I literally found myself, uh, you know, mixing warrant, uh, uh at the, uh, LA Coliseum, wow. uh, as an opening act and was like scared sh shitless, but also caught the bug immediately like it was it was a situation where i was like wait a minute this is what i need to be doing what am i doing in the studio you know yeah yeah, um, yeah. and that you know that interaction that happens between um audience and and so, for something that you're doing when you push a guitar solo and fourteen thousand people scream for something that you did you feel you're as a part of that as the guy who's playing the guitar solo, right? Right, right. So I caught that bug and kind of never looked back. But to get us into monitor world, I I uh, I got a bunch of front of house gigs. Other ba <laughs> other bands that are not on my resume are like uh, Vince Neil and Slaughter and um, Firehouse. Um, I did those bands like into '95, where they were you know starting right. to to really in mm. fact you know i i was working for vince neal and i <laughs> was driving a van with a u-haul trailer on the back from miami to san francisco with the band in the van and somewhere in texas i was driving and i just literally like went what the fuck am i doing <laughs> like what am i doing how did i end oh, up here I know. I you know, know. Well, um, mixing Vince Neil is just, it's, I mean, I, I did one Motley Crue tour in 2005 did and, and uh, uh, did he still, does he, did he, was he letting the audience sing for him back then as well? Um, you know? it, it was way worse. It was right after Skylar died. And so oh, okay. um, he was a wreck. He would drink like a, a pitcher of kamikazes before he went on stage and Oof. He would, he would, you know, be like screaming at the audience, like you're not Molly crew fans and F you. And, you know, so it was a, it was a rough, <laughs> a rough period. Um, but, uh, I, um, you know, I mean, it was, it was fun. There was a lot of stuff going on and it was a good time. Well, that's where but, you learned, you know, that's yeah, where you learned. I mean, I, I noticed also that, you know, you had to have learned something as a monitor engineer for Whitney Houston mixing, yes. mixing that vocal. Yes. You know, one of the, one of the, you know, one of the, the vocals, you know, the, the best vocal I've ever heard by yeah. far, by far. Yeah. And I, I have worked with some amazing vocalists, but she, when she was on, she, you know, the hairs on your arm would stand up. I mean, oh, I she was amazing. I can yeah. imagine. I mean, you know, she, she, you know, 
without her, there is no, you know, Mariah Carey and, right. and, and so on and so on. You know, I mean, yep. she was, you know, she was there. You know, I remember the first time I heard you, Nix, uh, 2001 Kiss. Okay. Wal- Walnut Creek. I went out to visit Brian Hartley. And, oh, wow. and I think that might have been the first handshake we ever had. You know, it's the first time we right. met. I remember watching that show. And that was towards the, that was, was that, uh, they were still, they were in makeup. I think they were still doing the, you know, the, the first few years of their. That was the first farewell. <laughs> yeah, the first, the first farewell. Yeah, 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 the yeah. first of many farewells. Yeah, how um, funny. Yeah, no, that and that was uh, all original members. So uh, Ace, yeah, Peter, I remember, and, um, yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's one of those rough and ready ones where, yeah, you know, I, you know, sometimes a sound engineer is only as good as what comes off stage, and sometimes a sound engineer can take something that's coming off stage and make it something special. You know, and that that yeah. that, that 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 is you know the difference between the the big boys and, and everybody else. You know, so yeah. I, I, I can imagine that that that. Pulling that together wasn't easy, I'm sure. Oh, man. Many, many nights in the back lounge of a bus with a lot of alcohol going, I can't make this band sound good. Can't do it. <laughs> it's not possible. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was rough. And then the times it was good, it was really good. But there were moments where I was just like, you know, people would walk out of the show and walk by the console and be like, dude. It was amazing. Great job. And I'd be like, were we at the same show? Because <laughs> I don't feel like we were at the same show. Oh, how um, funny. How but funny. we're always the, the hardest on ourselves, right? I mean, that's, that's just the, the nature of the business. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, I know metal is kind of, I don't know if you want to call metal your thing. That's where you started with metal. You continue yeah. to mix a lot of metal. Um, you know, Iron Maiden, of course, you know, which, which is, you know, you, you there's, you know, I don't know if you can describe metal because you, you mix System of a Down. Right. And, and, and the way that sounds, or you've mixed Corn, where it's more of that kind of heavy, droney kind of, and then Iron Maiden, where, you know, they're playing light gauge strings and they're playing yes. fast and there's not, it's not, it's not riff rock, you know. So, you know, I don't know. There's many genres of heavy metal. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, and mixing Iron Maiden, I mean, uh, my goodness, you know, so it's like that's they're up there with Black Sabbath, they're up there oh my with Priest. I mean, they're just just just, just legends at work on a night. I am, basis, you know. Oh my God, I um, it's so amazing. There are nights when I'm mixing in a giant stadium in Europe, and I like transport myself back to being a 15 year old kid. Yeah, in my bedroom with Circus Magazine posters on the wall of Bruce Dickinson, you know, um, and literally am like, I'm mixing this show and going, man, I am 15 right now in that room, you know, with my record player. And I, I played the record until it wouldn't play anymore. That record killers. And, um, so the beast. Yeah. yeah. I'm so lucky because I'm a fan. I was a fan and to get that gig, um, was you know once in a lifetime kind of situation yeah. um and and as it turns out often i've worked for bands that i was fans of before and often you're let down um by the actions of those particular right, bands right. um but uh luckily iron maiden is i gotta tell you they are all complete gentlemen um I amazing totally see that 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and also, you know, I'm sure you'll agree that you, you, you work for bands sometimes that maybe you're not a fan of, and maybe you're not super for familiar. Sure. And then at the end of the tour, you're like, I'm a fan. Oh, system you know? of a down. I was not a fan when I started working for that band. Um, but then like two or three shows into it, I was like, huh, I get this now. Interesting. And I've been a band. I've been a fan ever since. I'm like, man, they're uh, an amazing, amazing band. Oh, I, I agree. Well, well, they, they, well, they take, you know, their inspirations that they grew up with and you mix it with a little bit of their, their heritage and their culture yeah, and the music totally. they grew up listening to in their families, you know, and, and it all reflects, you know, yep. and the yep. fact that, you know, the, the lyrics are so, you know, you know, there's a lot to them. They mean something, you know, he's trying to, you know, it's not pushing an agenda, but it's also trying to, Hey, there's some shit going down out there. We need to pay attention to this. You know, am I the only one who's seeing this, you know? Totally. And, uh, you know, I think Serge is a really, really uh, interesting person. I don't know him. I've only met him once, but I think he's an incredibly interesting person. He is uh, super talented, but and also very determined um, about his beliefs and, you know, yeah. how he should um, impact the world, really. Like, he feels like it's his job. Um, yeah. to to have some impact on the world. Yeah, which he is, puts his money where his mouth is. Yeah, that's we right. Gotta, we got to respect that. Yeah. I, I know you mentioned Travis Scott earlier, and I, yeah. and I, and I, I don't know much about him, uh, but I do know he's incredibly popular these days. And, you know, he's, he's, he's just on stage by himself, right? There is no band, is there? It's just no. him on stage. He has a DJ who's like his hype guy as well. So there's really, there's two vocals and um, two uh you know, a left and right coming from the DJ rig. Mm -hmm. um, it's the hardest four inputs I've ever had to mix. Like right. it's almost harder to mix four inputs than it is to mix 125. Oh, um, wow. And the reason is, is there's nowhere to hide, right? So when a guitar player, his rig goes down, whatever, you pull the mix to focus on the stage right guitar player or, you know, whatever, or push the drums or whatever to hide the fact that that guy has now his rig is not working. Well, when the DJ, when his, you know, lines die or when he forgets to take the filter off, you know, the high pass filter that he did a sweep on, um, you know, then there's nowhere to go. It's like, oh my goodness, this is, this is hard. And he, you know, um, great, great dude, but he would fly different levels at me every single night. So sometimes they'd be just slamming and sometimes they'd be, um, right. you know, low. Um, so it was tough. What do you, what do you think, you know, Travis, I know you, you mix, you mix Jay-Z as well. And I know mm -hmm. in the pack you did some, you did some Beastie Boys stuff, mm -hmm. but do you think it was your, your time with Lincoln Park that caught the attention of some hip hop acts, you know, cause They've got a little bit of that going on, you know, where, you know, a little bit of that, you know, rock, yeah. rap kind of thing. Do you think that kind of led you to working for Jay-Z and Travis Scott? Well, definitely. So Linkin Park and Jay-Z did a bunch of collaboration. And so there, there are two or three records of Jay-Z and Linkin Park together that I, when I was mixing Linkin Park, I was part of that era um, and so got to know Jay-Z, therefore, uh, got the gig, you know, many years later, actually. Um, but, but, you know, I'm sure it was mentioned to him when I got the gig, Hey, this is the guy that used to mix Linkin Park. And that's, I'm, I'm sure that's why I initially got the gig for sure. 
Um, so, so yeah. And, and then having, um, the, the, you know, street cred of having (laughs) Jay-Z, um, kind of opens the door for, you know, other artists. Right. Right. I mean, you, you've got, you know, 50 odd credits on your resume, much like I do, you know, I've, I've I've been doing this as long as you have, and I've, I've worked for a ton of people, but people associate you with a certain artist. I mean, people think of me, they think of Roger Waters. It's just just the way it is. doesn't matter what else I've done. Yeah. You, it's kind of Lincoln Park in a lot of ways. A lot of people think of, when I think of you, they think of Lincoln Park or or vice versa. Do do you, do you find that as well? Yes. And here's the reason. First of all, they're, they're the longest standing client that I've had. I was there for 14 years. Um, second, they have a rabid fan base that like not only wants to communicate with the band, but like also they're like techie kids. And so they want to know about like what's happening for sound and lighting. And, um, and so there was this weird connection to many, many people um, in regards to that band. And I think that carried over into the industry too. And so people, just recognized me as being their guy. Um, yeah, I was um, super lucky to work with them. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, did you watch them evolve? I mean, they were just a bunch of a bunch of kids with a, with a cool idea at one, at one point. I mean, and, you know. I got them uh, when they were already superstars. So, oh, they were. Um, okay. yeah, this was a uh, third record or something, uh, Minutes to Midnight. Gotcha. Um, and... So they're already playing arenas for sure. Um, but then I did, I was with them while they evolved through all kinds of different things. Um, played a bunch of stadiums, played some arenas. Um, and they were dabbling in kind of different parts of whatever you want to call their music. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what you would call it. Um and so there were records that were like completely different than another one. And so we would do a, a two year record cycle that was focused on songs that were like, not even like what their earlier songs were. And that was super hard as a mixer, right? Like now their, their songs later on in their career became kind of synthy and super low end based songs. And they would play that song live and then the next song after it would be a song from their first record, which didn't have any keyboards or synthy stuff in it. Um, and so the that was a, the hardest part of mixing them was making that all work, you know, um, through their genre change. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had the two things. You had the rap aspect and then you had Chester, who was a really, really good singer. He was, you know, where, where, you know, you think of somebody like Limbisca or whatever, who, who was one of the innovators of that. You know, then you add Lincoln Park with Chester. It just brought it up another totally. several levels, you know, into high quality. Yeah. And, you know, and of course we got, we got to talk about Chester a little bit. I mean, I, I you know, I, you know, I, I wasn't super close to Chris Cornell, but what, you know, I've worked with him for several years and I saw that happen to him and yeah and that was that was a surprise you know I didn't I did not see that coming was it kind of similar with Chester I mean was yeah so um he and I bonded in recovery we were both recovering alcoholics and addicts um and so we spent a bunch of time together and so I knew him very very well um but I had left 
um, Lincoln Park uh, about six months prior to him passing. Um, my cousin uh, is this country artist named Maren Morris. Um, and so I, I left Lincoln Park to kind of help her career um, get started. And uh, yeah, from all reports, I wasn't there, but from all reports, he was acting absolutely normal. In fact, happier than he'd been in a long time, which is an interesting comment on, you know, mental health. Um, oftentimes when someone is looking at their best is the time that you should be worried about what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, it was really, it was a horrible call out of nowhere, phone call at nine in the morning, you know, yeah. was, was there, was there any signs of him struggling or was he, he struggled uh, on a, you know, just like any other addict or alcoholic, um, he was uh, self-medicating with marijuana, um, and which is fine. And a lot of addicts and alcoholics do that. It doesn't work for me. Um, but um, he would fall off the wagon every once in a while and have some beers and whatever. But nothing like, hey, he needs to go back to rehab. Right, right. Um, but he, you know, I mean, there was a lot of people around him, him rooting for him and, you know, doing stuff like taking all the alcohol out of a hotel room and, you know, that kind of stuff gotcha. was happening. Um, but, but no real indication that he was so depressed um, that he was at a place to take his own life, you know? Right. Right. What a so, shame. Yeah. How much would you love to, to do another Lincoln park tour? Oh man. I, I think about that a lot. Um, you know, I don't know that they'll go back out again. I think they're working on their own individual projects. You know, Mike Shinoda has his own thing going on. Um, uh, but if they were able to find, I mean, you, you can't replace Chester. <laughs> There's no replacement for that guy. I mean, you know, when I say Whitney Houston is the very best singer that I've ever heard, Chester's in that list of the next two or three, you know, yeah. um, and unbelievably like running around and jumping off of shit and you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. uh while he was doing it so um i mean you know who knows they could find somebody and and make it work and i yeah. i would i would love to be a part of it no it's interesting because because chester replaced scott wyland in, in stone temple pilots for a little while right did you do that i did some of it yeah how, how did that work out did, did he did he was it a fit it was really cool, actually. Um, you know, um, the rest of the band was a tight unit anyway. And so with Wyland gone, it, those guys really closed ranks and they were like a tight unit. Mm -hmm. So then putting Chester into that situation was good. They embraced him and he brought Wyland's vibe but it was his own too and and i heard a lot of people not just me be like you know what this is kind of the perfect replacement um you know just because he you still had moments like you know whenever they played the hits he'd be like oh yeah hell yeah you know uh where it was it felt like not that it was scott but that it, it had that vibe 
but then Chester would put his own kind of spin on, you know, the chorus or whatever. So it, it was, um, I thought it was really good. You know, the DeLeo brothers are amazing, dude. I, I, I agree. I agree. I had them item as to support act at one time back oh in the God. 90s during their first record. Really, really yeah. swell, guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so I've, I've got your resume here in front of me. It's, it's huge. I mean, it's just freaking huge. I mean, I'm just going to cherry pick certain names and I'm going to see if you can give me a thought or a, or a memory <laughs> or, or on these individual people. Okay. I'm going to start with the voice. Michael McDonald. Man. Um, I would, if that guy called me up and told me that he needed me in somewhere in 15 minutes, I would be the first one to go. He, he actually, of all the people, it's funny that you pick him first of all the people that I've worked for. Um, he is my favorite favorite. Well, so um, if he called and said, Yamo be there, you would be there. I would definitely Yamo be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, just, you know, I, the, the I don't Unbelievable. Doobie, I would only listen to the Doobie Brothers if it was a Michael McDonald Doobie Brothers song. Me too. And of course, those, you know, those textures he added to those Steely Dan songs like Peg uh, and whatnot. Just, 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 just the voice. Okay. Um, he would show up to, um, so, you know, the band is a hired kind of a band, but amazing guys like Nashville Cats. Um, and he would show up an hour earlier than the rest of the band uh, for sound checks every day because they would sound check every single day for an hour and a half. But he would show up an hour before that and every day would be like work would stop and people would just sit in the chair and him playing piano and singing by himself wow. was like just having that privilege is, well, is that's love that's that's yeah. that's love you know i mean yeah. he probably didn't need to do that but it's just you know yeah some people got to do what they do yeah you know? i i remember as a kid you know the band fog hat had broken up and half of them were dead but like the drummer had fog hat on the road and was touring and people were like what's the fucking point and i'd be like you know what that's what he does that's what he does that's what he totally. loves to do don't don't make fun of the guy even though yeah. it was probably awful, don't make fun of the guy for continuing to do what he loves to do. Okay, totally. next, next. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, Jimmy Chamberlain. <laughs> Jimmy Chamberlain is awesome. I love that guy. Um, Billy Corrigan. I didn't ask you about Billy Corrigan. <laughs> <laughs> On purpose. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I asked you about Jimmy because I've worked for the Pumpkins and I... And I he, what a drummer. Everything Man, he doesn't move amazing. his hands. All his yeah. hands and his sticks are always in front of him. You know, his the stick rarely goes above his shoulder height. It's all right there in front of him. It's like yeah. a jazz player doing serious. He is. He is a know, jazz doing, player. Doing yep. rock. And it's, he's, he's incredibly impressive. And I wanted, to, I wanted to see if you had the same opinion as I did. I do, absolutely. Yeah. What a guy, what a guy. Okay, yeah. another drummer. You've worked for Motley just like I have. Tommy Lee. Yeah. Um, I love Tommy and I love his three-year-old energy, <laughs> his squirrel-like energy. Yeah. Um, and he was, when I worked for them, he was the most communicative about what it should sound like. You know, um, yeah. you know, everyone always talks about Nikki being the guy behind the band, which he is, and probably the guy that writes most of the music. On the business end, he is, absolutely. But when it comes to the sound of it, I would spend hours uh, doing virtual playback with with um, Tommy. Um, and he's into it. 
Yeah, he's way into it. And what's cool about it is he he'll say something and if you disagree with him, he respects you if you say, you know what, dude, I don't really agree with you and let me show you why. Mm-hmm. He'll most of the time like make the right decision. And, um, and, and when it's good, he's like, yeah, dude, yes, that's totally. I know. <laughs> you know I, I once saw him. I was, we were in the airport together. I don't know how he talked TSA into it, but he laid on the conveyor belt and went through the mag. Sounds like him. That's <laughs> at, at, at the security check uh, at the airport. It was awesome. crazy. I don't know how he did it. Okay. Um, Alanis Morissette. She's great. Um, I've had um, a lot of great experience with her and her band. Her band is unbelievably talented. You know, um, the, the two guitar players that have been there for a while, um, are, and, you know, write some of it and help her, um, Jason and, and, um, oh my God, my, his name is escaping me. Sorry. Um, anyway, um, just amazing guys, right? Um, she is wonderful to work with if you're a front of house guy, Nice. if, if you're a monitor guy, she's difficult and, and the problem is honestly and she knows this the problem is is that she lived in a place in the 90s where the wedges were so loud that she damaged her ears pretty good wow um and so stuff has to be ridiculously loud on the stage for her to feel comfortable um and that you know honestly as she churns through monitor guys um that's a skill that a lot of guys these days don't have um, is getting a stage to be loud. Like there's right. a lot of monitor guys that know how to mix ears, right? And make it sound amazing in ears, but making, you know, yeah, whatever. There's, there's not enough Rocky Holmans out there. Are there? No, that's it, man. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being on stage at a Bon Jovi show. Oh I was a support act and he was up the ring in the monitor. He looked around everybody goes, stand back because it's going to get loud. <laughs> that's awesome. It's like Elvis doing monitors. So funny. Oh my God. So, yeah. so let me ask you another question. Monitor engineers, when, yes. when, when there's a problem, percentage artist, percentage monitor engineers problem. Um, I find it to be both. I find that a, a monitor engineer is making mistakes and it's not necessarily audio mistakes. Maybe it's political mistakes in what they're saying back to the artist. Um, You know, I mean, you know, all the artists that you worked for, our jobs, my job as an audio guy is only like 20% of my job. It's it's bedside manner. Yeah. It's bedside manner. The 80% is getting along with people and figuring out, like, I really feel like that my um, my success is based on being able to walk into a room full of crazy people and identify what the needs of all of those people are and quickly, right? right? Like walk in and be like, okay, I know what's up with that guy. I know what's up with that guy. And I know what's up with that guy. I don't know what's up with that guy, but I know what's up with these guys. So, (laughs) um, and, and that skill, I don't think was taught really it was kind of god-given like it's it's not taught it's not taught so um that's the hardest thing when i when i talk to engineers that want to do this at the level that you know you and i are working at is that's a skill that you have to have and if you don't have it 
it doesn't matter how good of an engineer you are. On both ends um, of the snake, sound engine, front of house and totally, monitors. If you totally. don't know how to talk to an artist, you are going to fail. Doesn't yes. matter how good you are. Yeah, quickly. Um, you have to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, Axel Ruz. Uh, I had interest. My time with um, <laughs> with Cuts and Roses was an interesting time. Um, I did. I started with them, which was his very first comeback. So it was Axel Roses, Guns and Roses, uh, and the very first gig that I mixed was uh, 2001, I think, um, Rock and Rio, uh, and Charlie Hernandez was the production manager, um, and. Uh, so that was my first gig with him, <laughs> which was interesting. Um, I, I found him to be standoffish and doesn't really, doesn't want to talk to you unless there's something going on and, and pretty much though leaves you to do your job, um, which is an unusual trait for some artists. Right. Um, so that part of it is great. <clears throat> However, I have watched him treat some people really poorly. Um, right, right. So, um, but my, my experience with him singing as a singer was uh, really good. Like he's, he's a great singer. Hmm. Um, but, but anyway, I, I went through a whole time period where um, we were auditioning guitar players and we were at center staging for three months and <laughs> the, it was same guitar players like over and over and over again playing the same four songs for like three months um and it was amazing to me like how many guitar players showed up to that audition and didn't know like paradise city <laughs> like <laughs> why are you here auditioning for guns and roses when you don't know their hits you know it's uh, like what is happening I, I remember in the old days i did a, I've, I've been around guns and roses my whole career and i remember in the old days he used to try to hit the front of house sound engineer with a wireless microphone. He would just take it and he would just wind it. it. And chuck it as far as he can, trying to Tom hit it. Uh, Dave, Dave Keir, I think was at the time. Uh, right, back right, right. Did, did he ever, did he ever, did he ever uh, throw a microphone to you? He didn't. The only weird thing that he ever did to me was we were in a stadium somewhere and I, I mix head down. Like I don't really look most of the time I'm mixing head down, focused on my ears. And every once in a while, I'll look up to see where people are on stage, but literally I'm a head down mixer and I was mixing and working on something, you know, getting something going. And I, I look up and he's standing like right in front of my console <laughs> in the middle of sound check and like with his mic and looking angrily at me. And I was like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> I kind of got taken aback. Um, and, uh, it turns out he wasn't angry at me. He was angry at something else that was going on, but I thought for sure I was going to get, you know, that Mike tomahawked at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's only the only weird thing he's ever done. Okay. Uh, next one of my favorite people in the music industry. And, and, and you, I know you didn't work with him very long here, but Dave Navarro. Yes. Um, those guys. Cool guys too, man. Great, great, amazing people to work with. I yeah. only probably did, I don't know, 20 shows or something with them. Yeah. Um, most but, underrated guitar player out there. Oh my. Most, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. super talented. Yeah. Yeah. All those guys in that band, super talented. Okay. I've got to, I've got to ask you about Ted Nugent. I mean, come on. What's it, what's it like to work for the fucking Nuge? Uncle Ted. Um, 
if you can get past his politics, <laughs> then he's an amazing guy to work for. I mean, I, you know, listen, I love the guy. And if you just kind of ignore some of the super right wing things that come out of his mouth, then, um, then the experience is, yeah, it's hard to do, hard but to do. the experience is much better. Um, I'll just tell you my experience with him is, is summed up in this story. I, uh, I had to leave a tour early because I had committed to somebody else. And I had told management months earlier, I'm like, listen, I have to leave three days early of this leg um, because I've committed to something way before you guys hired me. They knew. I assumed they had told Ted that. They didn't. Um, and so uh, the day that I'm going to leave the next day, like we're at a show day and I'm leaving the next morning. Um, I, I get a call on the radio and uh, uh, come to the dresser room, pooch. You know, I'm like, okay, so that's never good. I'm going to go down there and see what's going on. And I open the dresser room door and it's Ted Nugent in only tidy whities a gun belt and a cowboy hat. And he, as I open the door, he pulls out his weapon, racks it, and goes, so I hear you're leaving me. <laughs> and I just, I went, whoa, hey, 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 hey. Dude, I told your management like months ago. They didn't tell you? He's like, no, they told me today. Um, and then, you know, he was joking, obviously, of course. Um, and, you know, was like, actually very, um, very nice was like, you know, Hey man, thank you so much for all you've done. And that's why I was really calling you in here, but I wanted to scare you, you know? Um, and so that, that's him. That's, that's nice. Nice. Yeah. Hey, okay. Well, I'm only going to do a couple more of these cause I want to talk about some other stuff, but this is sure. another guy in here. I don't know this guy, but I know him. I know you've worked for him a couple of times and why isn't miles Kennedy more famous? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I've been saying that for years. You know, I've worked with him in two different bands, in Alta Bridge and in yep. Slash. Um, and the most humble, most talented, humble person that I've ever met. Um, and someone I, I can truly call a friend, you know, somebody that is like we talk, you know, yeah. every month or whatever, you know, hey, man, how are you? Um, and I feel very lucky, too, because that guy... He's got talent, man. Oh, my God. So big, big chops. Yeah. I don't know why he's not huger than he is. Do you, do you think it's, it's you know, he became prominent in the wrong era? Do you think if he was around in the 80s, he, he would have been, you know? Bigger? Probably. Probably. Um, I, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard him. Have you heard him sing not Slash and not Alter Bridge? Like, um, no. like uh, oh, my God. Dude, he did this thing online and go search it. He did a, I don't know if you could find it actually, but anyway, he did a, a, a Led Zeppelin uh, song online that literally brought me to tears. I mean, it was like, holy crap, this guy is so good. Oh, he is talented. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I hope, I hope that more and more people find his solo things, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I was involved with Creed for a little while, so and which was and they were segueing into Alter Bridge and I, right. I really, you know, <clears throat> Scott's a weird 
kind of dude with Green, but the other three guys, great know, dudes, great, great guys, yeah. great players too, underrated players. You know, totally. those guys, those guys can play Alterbridge, dude, good band. If anybody doesn't know Alterbridge, check them out. They're yeah, they're seriously, if you don't know that band. band, go check them out. That's another band though that I didn't really know anything about before I started working for them. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know anything about the band, check them out. They're amazing. Okay. All right. La- last one. I got. I got to sure. ask you then, because I, I don't know what what level of maturity this man was at at the time. But uh, you, you would tell me about Justin Bieber. What's, it, what's, what's it like to work for Justin Bieber? I don't know. Um, I was never introduced to Justin Bieber, and I worked really? for him, and I worked for him for two years. Really? Um, yeah, we would pass each other in the hallway, and he would acknowledge that he knew who I was. Um, probably didn't know my name, but he knew I was the sound guy. Um, my interaction was always with Scooter Braun or the musical director, Bihar. Right. Um, and is, so, is, that, is that true with everybody? The lighting guy, the monitor engineer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, yeah he was yeah. just, do you think Scooter Braun kept him secluded? Do you think that was done on purpose? I think he did it on purpose. I mean, he was, you know, he was living in this world. Listen, he's a 23 year old billionaire. He had um, a 25% stake in Uber and something else at 23 years old. So the guy, you know, I don't know about you, but if I were 23 and a billionaire, first off, I'd be dead. Second, um, I would be acting like he was, which was a a little bit just not. You know, I have nothing in common with a 23-year-old billionaire, like zero. And he knows that. And so I think that's all it was, was like, he was like, I don't, you know, I don't really need to talk to those guys. They're doing their job and whatever. And he was living in a world where um, uh, he, like, we were in Vancouver. We were in Vancouver and we were working. And in the afternoon, I went to catering and as I walked down the hall, a tiger came walking down the hallway, a dude with a, you know, a leash and a tiger come walking down the hallway. And that morning he had requested a tiger to come to the gig. So that's, that's the world that he lives in, right? Like he can make a call and someone knows who to call a tiger guy. (laughs) And then there's a tiger there three hours later. Right. I mean, you know, I'm sure your Rolodex is full of kind of weird Uh, people to call to make stuff like that happen. But uh, I've gotten farm animals for, for a a prank or support act before, but there was no, it was, it was like, it was a sheep and a pig. (laughs) So anyway, that, you know, my point of that story is that we don't live in the same world. You know, does that guy go to Starbucks? Not a chance. You know, he's got a hundred people that do stuff for him. So, But it was a weird experience. I got to tell you, it was the first experience really of having zero interaction with the artists themselves. Um, That's unique. That yeah. is unique. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard about that. I mean, uh, that, that, is, that is wild. That is wild. You, you, yeah. you, think, you think that relationship would be important to an artist? You would think. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, he was going through a period. Like, he's doing a lot better than he was. You know, I did the last tour before this one. And now, um, you know, he's he got married to, um, what's her name? Haley uh, Baldwin. Um, and apparently he's, like, cleaned up his act. But I think he was, you know, he was in his stage of, you know, doing a lot of drinking, doing a lot of drugs. And so he was in his own little world. 
you know? Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you know, you, you're a sound guy through and through. I mean, you love it, you know, I so do. It's, just, it's just not an art, but you know, you're, you know, you, you want to pay back, you want to research, you want to, you want to evolve with it. And now you, you do master classes. I so, do. So tell me how those started and, 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 and how those, and how those are happening. It, it kind of started out of a feeling as I got into my 50s <laughs> that I should be giving back. Um, that it started with this thought. The thought is, is that everything that I do as an audio person, I didn't make up. I learned every single thing that I do by watching someone else do it yeah. and emulating and then making it my own. Um, and through no, you know, fault of my own and sort all sorts of circumstances, I, uh, I recognize that I am blessed to have, you know, been an assistant for Bruce Wedeen. You know, I got to sit behind one of the greatest producers of all time and watch that guy for six months and watch everything that he did. And there's still things that I do to this day that are came straight from him. Um, and so I feel this kind of connection. I, I don't know why I feel like this, but I do. I feel like it's my turn to pass that on, right? Like here, here's what I know, take it or leave it, make it your own or not. But, but this is what my knowledge is um, in trying to help the sound community. Right. Um, well, I'm not a sound guy, so I've, I've not listened to them because um, it'd be over my head and I'd probably get depressed. Um, <laughs> you get, but, you know, for so, sure. <laughs> so, so each masterclass is there, is there, you know, is there a theme to a masterclass? And is there, today we're talking about plugins or, or what, what is, what is, how do you, how do you go about figuring out your masterclasses? Yeah. I mean, there is a syllabus, right? Like at first with the first one that I ever did. So how this came about was that there were several um, usually sound companies, international sound companies that were contacting me via email and saying, Hey, would you come teach our guys, you know? Um, and that's kind of how it started. And the first one that I ever did was in Taiwan, um, which was difficult because most of the guys that were in the class didn't speak English. So I had a translator, um, and it was the first time that I'd ever done it. And so I had like an outline, and it was kind of disjointed and to be honest, probably not all that great. Um, but now that's that a good one to cut your teeth on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, talk about being thrown into the fire. Um, but as I've done more and more, you know, I've, I've done them in Europe and, and um, Taiwan and Japan and Brazil. Um, they, you know, I've started to be more, more prepared, more like in a, uh, a college course kind of a way. This is the, the syllabus that we're going to go through and, and talk about stuff. But I, I try really hard to make the audience, the, you know, the 60 guys that show up to that, guys and gals that show up to that. Um, I want their participation. They, you know, they paid the guy who's hired me to go there to come to this thing. I want them to get their money's worth, you know? So I want them to um, interact with me. And, and it's funny, it's usually by the third day, <laughs> they're finally comfortable enough to start asking me questions. And then the third day is just rapid fire. That, question, that's, question, that's question, my favorite question. part. Yeah. I've, I've, I've done some of that myself with some cool. production schools and, and the, the, the Q and a is by far. 
awesome. The best, the best, because you go into these classes going, shit, I don't have enough material. Totally. I, I don't have enough to cover the period of time they want me on for. And so the question and answers, yeah, that just saves you, you know? Totally does. And, 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 and you know what's <laughs> great about the Q&A is the questions are so good. They help you get your point across totally better than, than yep. you would have on your, on your own. So it's like, man, that was another good question. Thank you for asking that. You know, and that's it's, it's, absolutely true. It's, it's so true. Are, are you yeah. still doing them or you have any more coming up or. So probably. All right. So um, do you know, Chris Raybold? I know that name. He's a front of house guy, right? He is. Um, he currently mixes Bruno Mars. Yeah. Pop. Yeah, 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 He's mo- yeah, yeah. mostly mixes pop. Gotcha. Um, Bruno Mars, um, Alicia Keys. I think he meets Kenny Chesney for a while. You know, he's a really well known for a house guy. Um, yeah, yeah. He and I got to be friends and we started um, calling each other like every couple of weeks and just chatting about, you know, whatever the latest gear. Like, have you heard about this? Have you tried this? Is this whatever? And I don't want when- you to have that first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, actually, you know, it was weird. Unlike other relationships I've had with other front of house guys where there is kind of a rivalry, we just bonded and we don't feel like, even though we go after the same gigs, we don't feel there's a competition between us for some reason. Um, and anyway, we started um, doing um at the top of this pandemic, we started a YouTube channel and we, uh, my thought process was, wouldn't it be awesome if other could, people could be in on that phone call? Like, you know, we're just a fly on the wall listening to us chat about the latest audio things. Um, and so that evolved into a, a thing during the pandemic. You know, we ended up doing like 60 videos uh, hour long videos of us chatting about audio. 60, six, six zero. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a dream come true for a young sound engineer. Well, I, you know, it's funny. We, we feel so blessed. Um, There are a a bunch of young sound guys that have contacted us and been like, dude, you know, thank you. Thank you. And and so it it feels good. It feels good. Not, 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 you know, so many people just need an opportunity. They need, they just need to be in the right place at the right time for five minutes. And that can define the rest of your life. I know it. I know. And and, uh, I really would like to help as many of those aspiring people as I can, you know, me, me too. And I, I always tell people, you know, that old adage of right place at right time is a thing, but put yourself in the right place at the right time. That's the deal, right? Like if you, if you put yourself standing next to the monitor guy when he gets fired <laughs> you you have put yourself in the right place at the right time right so don't be the guy that's like i'm not a stage patcher i'm a mixer it's like no be a stage patcher and stand next to the guy that you know is going to get canned because you know, you- uh, that analogy is kind of dark and dim it is isn't it i, know. I, totally, get it. I totally get it i mean yeah. I, I i certainly appreciate people you know you because you can spot them out there you know, maybe you so more so on your on your audio crew. Yes. You know, you can you can see the up and coming star. He might be the fourth man on the audio oh, crew, man. but you know, you you can spot him. I know. You can I know. Spot him. It's funny. I was uh, um, listening to your podcast with Opie, and he was telling some story about how, or maybe it was you telling a story. I can't remember who one of you guys were telling a story about how a sound guy 
who was a system engineer kind of quit or something. And they were like, nope, come here. You're coming with me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, we both and, kind of told that story. Yeah, yeah. There yeah, was Guy yeah. Habosha working with him. And I was telling the story about uh, Eric Ponkowski. Got it. Was, uh, working. Yeah, yeah, same thing. But yeah, yeah you can spot them. You can spot them. You, yeah. you, know, you know the ones that are hungry for it. You, That's you right. really do, whether sound lights, video, whatever, you know, yeah. you, you can spot them, you know, and you, you can, you can kind of see the future of our industry coming totally. in a lot of these people. And, you know, it's interesting. I can spot those people. And then if they are the people that make the right decision to ask a question at the right time, then I go, okay, that, that guy or gal, that one's going to be a superstar. They know when to ask the question. Yeah. And they're asking questions. So yeah, that, yeah. that person is, is someone that I want to see succeed, you know? Yeah, it's true. Um, and, and you know what, you, you know, whether it be Opie or myself or you, whatever, you know, we're, we're at that point in time in our, in our life and in our career where, you know, no one's going to take our gig away from us. You know, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> we're, we're here in this industry and we're fine. So, you know, yeah, it's time to share, you know, hundred percent. I, I absolutely I'm all about sharing. You know, I, I used to have all these spreadsheets and, you know, this writer that I created, you know, and, you know, and I would never share it with anybody. It's like, this is mine. This took me 20 fucking years to make, and I'm not just giving it away. Yeah. I'm, give, I'm giving it away now. I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, it's here, you know, use Good it. For you. Can I, can I help you? I'd yeah. love to help you get on, you get going. And I, and I do that. That's I do amazing. that to production managers. Cause you know, I, if I think back, you know, there were, there are people yes. that have done that for me. Absolutely. You know? There's, and there's totally been people that have helped me, you know, I look back and look at mentors and be like, wow, you know, um, Toby Francis, that guy has, um, uh, single-handedly by him leaving gigs <laughs> has uh, made my career because um, he has chosen me in most cases to replace him in, in large spots. Mm -hmm. And so that guy single-handedly has, has helped me along in my career. I want to be yeah. that guy to somebody else. Yeah. 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 There's, you know, he's, he's up there with, you know, the Dave Cobbs and the Howard pages and all these guys who've been around. God, who's the do you remember Night Bob? Do you oh yeah, Bob? we had him on our podcast. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he got he's he's been around. He's a character. He, he goes back to the New York Dolls. I know. He I mixed know. the New York Dolls in like nineteen seventy, maybe or whatever that was. So yeah, sounds he's about right. Yeah. I met him when he was mixing. He used to mix Aerosmith, I think, in the in the eighties, and Ted Nugent, all those guys. So good segue into your podcast. <clears throat> you a podcast or have or had i know you're not running right now but it's called wrong end of the snake yes you and you with uh kevin mccarthy yes mashed potatoes nah. and, uh, tell me about your podcast how'd that come about and, and and you know it's it's probably a similar story to matt and i have so tater and i are like an old married couple um, I think at this point we've been working together probably for the last uh, I don't know, 15 years, maybe okay. more. Right. Okay. Who wears um, the, who wears the pants? Uh, <laughs> he does for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, but we, we definitely, um, it, it's, it's incredible. We've done at this point, we've probably done 10 major acts together. Um, and Lincoln, Lincoln park as well, right? That's yeah. Like, Lincoln park as well. Um, Iron Maiden now. Um, okay. So, 
we're we're at this place where we literally like don't even talk to each other. We know what each other is doing simply by you know if he's out there ringing out the wedge, I know his next thing is going to be this. Uh, and he knows that when I play this song to tune the PA that he has five minutes before, you know, all of those things because we've been together for so long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then when the pandemic started, um, you know, we got to talking about, wouldn't it be awesome if, you know, we had um, some people in this industry that are our friends Um that can come on and just talk about where they came from and you know how they ended up in this industry and yeah, um it's very similar to what Matt and I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and so we've been super blessed um to have all kinds of people on it. Yeah. Um, you 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 were you were kind of majority audio. You know, yes. mean, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. Were, you were you were talking audio and you were geeking out on audio. I mean, it's 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 great. Your format's fantastic. I know you've had Thanks. some You've had some musicians on, you've had, yeah. some, you've, I've, you've had management on, you've had all sorts of things, but you know, the, just the whole idea that, you know, you can geek out on audio must be super fun for you guys. It was and is. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny because we, we weren't planning to do that. Like literally in the beginning part of that, we were like, no, let's not make this an audio thing. Let's make this a industry thing. And what we discovered was our audience were all audio guys, uh, of course, right? <laughs> so they were coming, you know, because they knew us as audio guys. And so they were, so we decided to cater to our audience and they, okay. they were expecting audio people. Well, um, you, you've named the podcast Wrong End of the Snake. So yes. which end of the snake is that? Well, this is the argument between Tater and I, and this is what we always say to each other. When I end up in Marta world, he'll look at me and go, dude, you're at the wrong end of the snake. What are you doing here? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Too. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I feel yeah. like I am definitely not at the wrong end of the snake. <laughs> so are you guys going to be uh, firing that back up again? I know, I know you were doing it. You, you stopped for a while or. Yeah. So, um, Tater got busy. Um, he, uh, runs his own sound company, a uh, little small sound company, um, in Detroit, Michigan that also supplies like consoles to thunder, um, and some other stuff. And, you know, there was nothing happening for a year. Um, and then about a month ago, it all, you know, turned on like a light switch. Um, right. and cause his, his main business is corporate stuff uh, and that is all starting to come back yeah, good. Um, good for so him. he's getting busy and, and you know it just didn't make sense we, the, you know the prep for this you know the two hours that we talk is cool but you have spent hours prior to this like setting this all up contacting me getting it in order making sure i'm going to be here at this certain time um uh, i know. didn't break us i didn't break a sweat pooch you know? <laughs> thanks <laughs> so. but you know what i mean it's a lot of work and and um you know doing the artwork for the podcast and in our case it was a youtube channel so um it, it's just a lot of work and so um we're, we're kind of on this hiatus until maybe we can come back but nice. I, I think we intend to i think like um like you matt um we want to keep doing this even when we're on the road. We feel there's something cool about what we've done and we want to keep doing it. It's just right now we're in this weird time. Yeah, it's it's funny though. I mean, who, who who's that uh 
and the Muppets. Who are the two old guys that sit in the yeah. balcony and complain? Mortimer, <clears throat> Mortimer, and uh, I forget the other guys. Whatever. Are, but yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah. kind of reminiscent of that a little bit. It it's is fun. that, isn't it? Hey, you know, what, what, one guy who was very important to me in my life, and I know because we talked about you a lot, was Mr. Mr. Martin Luther Procise. Yes. You know, uh, man, you know, he's been gone for six, he's been six years, six, six years now. So I know ML and, and you know what? He, he held this kind of position in the industry, not just for Shoko or Claire or whatever, but he kind of was like every sound engineer's agent. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you were working with him or not. He knew who every sound engineer was and knew what they were doing. Yep. So if you were ever looking for a sound guy, <clears throat> doesn't matter. You call him now because he knew everybody and he knew what they were doing. So is he instrumental to you in, a, in, in your life in a, in a lot of ways? 100%. So he, uh, you know, I mean, he started something, this model that now exists for every sound company now, which is that sound company being an agent for engineers kind of um and that was that truly came from him like he was the guy that um figured out that if you were in a sound company and you aligned yourself with a a, a well-known engineer or maybe not so well-known um you, you could sell that guy to the client and then therefore protect your interests yeah. <laughs> by by having a guy that's friendly to you because you got the gig for him. So he figured that out early on and made that happen. Um, my introduction to him um, was actually through Toby Francis, through Robert Long. Um, wow. So okay. Robert Long um, and I were business partners early on in those days with Vince Neal and Warrant and Oh, I didn't guys. know that. I didn't know yeah, that. So, we, so, you, so back in the Ragman days. Yes, we lived together in LA. Uh, we oh, we, we lived in a house together. Um, yeah. So um, he, uh, Ragman, <laughs> Roberts now, um, got the gig as a guitar tech for Kiss. Um, and he went, Toby decided he was going to leave Kiss. And Robert sold me hard to Toby. Toby had never met me. Um, and so uh, Robert set it up to where I was going to go meet Toby and we hit it off. And that's how I got the kiss gig because then Toby went to ML and sold it to ML and ML, God love him, took a absolute chance on an engineer that he had really never heard of uh, to mix one of the biggest acts in the world. Um, and so that was due to Toby and his connection. Um, and from that point forward, ML and I were thick as thieves until he yeah. passed I away. Mean, everybody who put their hands on knobs knew ML Procise and he For made sure. a point of knowing you and, and you know, and, you know, I've seen it happen. He cultivated a lot of careers and a lot he of did. people who, you know, that got a start due to him turned their turned their backs on him and went to other sound companies and, and, and did other things. And I did, I know he, he wore his heart on his sleeve. Yep. You know, he took everything very personally because, he uh, you know, he was a very loving individual and he cared, you know, to the, to the point where he could, he would cry, you know, oh, man. Because, because things really affected him. 
but you know, I, I miss him so much. He was a dear friend. You know, I, I remember when, 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 Deb, when Debbie, the deputy was, was, was ill and, and going down and I would be on the phone with him and Debbie in the hospital. And then, uh, you know, he was never the same after, no, after Debbie no. died. He was never the we, same. My wife and I, uh, you know, we live here in Dallas and obviously, you know, they lived here in Dallas. And so we were at the hospital pretty much that whole time. And he just <clears throat> couldn't nose up from that. Couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a horrible situation. Yeah, he tried, you know, and, and, yeah. and you know what? Uh, I don't know if you listen to my podcast with uh, with uh, uh, Sean Clare, but we talked about this and just about uh, about how Troy championed ML you know, and did a lot of things for him. And, you know, he was in the process of moving to Lidditz when, yep. right before he died. He was, he was, he was, he, he was going to go there and, and uh, man, if he could have lasted just a few weeks longer, I know if once he got under you know, and, and with Troy and Lidditz, he, he would have been fine. And we'd yeah. probably still be having those epic dinners with him. Absolutely. <laughs> he, he was, he was so funny. I remember yeah. we, we'd all go out and like four or five of us and like all this wine and food and, <laughs> and you know, and, and you know, you know, what was going on, on, yeah. you know, on, on the show coke credit card or whatever. Oh yeah. But the thing that always cracked me up the most was right when he's settling the bill, all these bags of to-go food would show up and they'd sit down on the floor next to him. Taking it home to Debbie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So so he would, you know, he'd feed himself for the next few days. Totally. Based on his account with that artist, you know, so funny. Yeah, man. So funny. But I, 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 I miss him. I miss him very much. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, not even, you know, outside of rock and roll, I miss the guy. Yeah. And, you know, like I would call him for life advice, not just like job advice. You know, um, we would talk on a regular basis and, and, um, you know, I, I feel there are still moments six years later where I'm like, man, I wish I had him around. I could call yeah. him, ask him his advice about this. I, I would love to be called a Hanyaker again. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> What's going was, on, Han Yawker? Yeah, and I was so lucky because I lived here in Dallas. So you know, those dinners were not just you know out with whoever's in town. It was like in between those dinners was dinners with him and me. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, he's good. It's good. So it's uh, you know we're getting into June now. You know it's 2022. Yeah. Uh, what do you, is your year you got anything going on this year so iron maiden has done what everyone else has done they've you know they had a tour april 2020 moved to april 2021 uh and then recently just moved to april 2022 um so they aren't doing anything until april 2022 um but uh i'm probably gonna fill my time a little bit before then um I you have, have in, to, yeah, you kind of have to, you know? Yeah. I, one of the things Tater and I have talked about this. One of the things I don't want to do is show up back to my main client with the first show that I'm ever kind of a big show that I'm mixing be them. I want to, I want that to be on an, <laughs> some, some other artist. So I don't feel like, you know, um, I'm showing up after two years and not knowing what yeah. the hell is going on. Yeah, you want to um, kick you want to kick the dust off before you get there. That's yeah. For sure. So I, I've got you know a couple irons in the fire. I got a one off with Travis Scott, and then uh, something maybe starting in August. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of 
lot of hopefulness, you know. I hope so. Yeah. I, I man, I can't tell you how, how I really, I'm dying for it. I know. In, in, in so many different ways, you know, whether it be, you know, just walking into the production office and, and, and accepting the cases and setting up the office and, I mean, that to, you know, the camaraderie to, yeah. You know, watching the cases roll in the door to, you know, all, all, all of it, man, just all of, all it. of it, you yeah. know, and I did, I did a gig a few weeks ago, um, was a, it was with the black keys of pay-per-view. Oh, cool. And one thing I did notice, you know, just how happy everybody was to be at work. For you sure. know, the lighting guys were helping the sound guys, you know, I mean, with a yeah. smile on their face, That's know, great. jumping in and just, it was just like this one big, group of happy people that just wanted them just so thrilled just to be back at work again. It was incredible. That's great, man. I, I tell people, I, I think honestly, it's going to be very emotional for me. The first kind of large scale gig that I mix, I'm probably going to be super emotional all about it. I think mm-hmm. I tend to wear my emotions on my sleeve like ML. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be so sitting there mixing with tears in my eyes, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all, you know, we talk about this all the time on the podcast with the, the this, what it's like for the house lights to go off. You know, <clears throat> I cannot yeah, sure. fucking wait. I know the house Me too. Lights to go off. You know, I don't care. I don't care who it's with. It's going to be great. You know, it's yeah. going to be great. You know, but I, I, I wish the very best of luck to everybody oh. out there, you know, and yeah, very, you know, and uh, Pooch, you know, you're you're eight-time top dog winner. You're a <laughs> two-time Parnelli Award winner. You are you are uh, one of our true, oh. you know, you know. I'm super blessed, man. I, you know, uh, yeah. we, we talked earlier about right place at right time. That certainly has happened to me a lot, um, and I am um, I realize that a lot of what I have um, is. Uh, you know, a talent that I didn't participate in getting, <laughs> you know, um, and so I, I, I feel very lucky to be in the position that I'm in. Good. Okay, last, last question. Last question before I let you go. Uh, alive or dead, who do you wish you could mix? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, I would go with the who or um you know some old school rock you know led zeppelin um i don't know i've always wanted to mix uh the stones that would be like a huge milestone just throw the beatles in there and get it over with (laughs) well yeah no you know what i mean it's like i i think but um, interestingly enough, the artist that you work for, uh, boy, if I had ever mixed Pink Floyd, I would have been super stoked about that. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. So when you when you when you think of these artists, you think of their heyday. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I was lucky. I got I got to see the Who when I was a kid. Uh, I never got to see Led Zeppelin. I, I uh, wanted me to, either. but uh, yeah. that would have been that would have been a hero for me. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So Matt, what do you what do you got for Pooch here? Wow. Um, I don't know. And it, well, it's certainly when Iron Maiden goes back out there, you might get an email from me. Oh so. man, come on, <laughs> bring it. There's yeah, nothing but, I love more than having a bunch of people on the platform. Can, can, he, can he dress up like Eddie and run around the stage or, or do, <laughs> do you have to be proficient in stilt walking to, to be Eddie? You do. You have to be proficient in stilt walking and, um, 
man, there's some cloak and dagger to all that stuff. Like the, nobody is supposed to know who the guy is that's in the costume. Right. And yeah, I, I did do the, uh, the, I played the bloody butcher role when I was dragging the uh, inflatable pig around for Roger Waters. back. Nice. You did. Bit, so. you did. You got mugged. That's I, awesome. I, more than once. Yeah. More than once. So no, but I mean, uh, I no, I, I don't have anything. I mean, I guess there were, I don't know. I had to step away in the very beginning, but uh, certainly your nickname is interesting. I would have been like, well, how'd you get that? Uh, you know? <laughs> uh, that's uh, Vince Neil. Yeah. Believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. So uh, yeah, just quickly, he, um, he started calling me big dog for my size, my body size. He's like, what's up big dog. Um, and that somehow evolved into pooch. Makes sense. Um, and, and then what's weird about it is, is that the, I went from working for Vince Neil to Whitney Houston, um, and Whitney Houston loved that nickname. Like she would just, she loved that. She'd be like, pooch, can you come up here on stage? And so I couldn't shake it. And then there was this moment in the industry where some people knew me as Ken and some people knew me as pooch and they didn't know it was the same person. Uh, and so I just like went okay i'll just go with pooch and that's how that's how it stuck all right Kept yeah. going. i, 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 I don't know anybody there. that i don't know anybody that calls you ken no uh my wife doesn't even call me ken <laughs> no, she does. <laughs> she does. awesome awesome oh funny well this has been a blast yeah. you know and i thank it you so much been. for taking the time to do this and uh you know we we need to stay in touch We're oh really man good. You know, Absolutely. And, uh, Thank you for having me on. It's a truly an honor. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, uh, you know, I'd love to ride the bus with you sometime. I'd me love too. to, you know, I'd love to sit at a dinner table with you sometime. You know, Totally. <clears throat> you, me, and John Lemon got to go, uh, Ooh, you know, man. have an epic, epic dinner. Yes. I, I hear on your podcast, you guys are foodies. Well, I am as well. And yeah. uh, oh, enjoy, enjoy a good... Uh, a good meal for yeah, sure there, there's there's you know certain people i have on this podcast where we talk more about food than we do oh anything else. So, you know, it's, it's a... some people can't fathom you know spending fifteen hundred dollars on a dinner for one person you know uh, they can't fathom uh, that and I'm I, like, I, I i don't do that anymore though. especially <laughs> after this layoff i'm not well you know, yeah i'm not doing that for a long time but um, you know i'm be looking for the best thai restaurant in town yeah right exactly you exactly. know where you can eat for 20 bucks that's what i'll be looking forward to you know yeah. How fun. How fun. Right on. Well, right you know, on. when you get your podcast back going, I would, I would love, love to, I would, to man. Pooch, and, Pooch and Tater. I want to be on your podcast. Absolutely. We would love to have you. Um, and, I'll, and I'll stand in the middle of the snake. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. the first thing I ever did for the first band I ever worked for was run the snake. It's wow. Like, anybody can run a snake. That's so true. can you, you know, <laughs> you know, in between the tables and against the wall. It was oh that kind of God. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Best yeah. of luck to you in, in 2021. Thank and, you. Uh, Matt, good seeing you too. Yeah, likewise. Uh, thanks. Again. Great to meet you, Matt. That's great. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks to Dan Cleary for, for our uh, soundtrack or, or yeah. what do you call it? We, we have music. Yeah. Yes, we have music. Yeah. The intro and the outro music. Intro, yeah. outro. It's not and a it's ours. It belongs Who to Who am us. I to think that I have a soundtrack? <laughs> Yeah. oh my goodness yeah. well we do but we have a lot of people to thank and certainly the listeners everybody thanks for downloading and checking it out um you know at pooch this was great and you know leave a review and um some stars on the you know on the ipod you know podcast thing and wherever you download this uh podcast yeah there's, there's, a, there's, an, there's there. an algorithm i think that these there is. these companies yeah. use and the, the more 
the more, more reviews stars. you get and all that stuff that, that, you know, just more people get to hear you. So yeah. please. I mean, who does not want to hear this podcast? That's right. I mean, come on. Support it. I mean, Support this is, it. this is fucking eye opening. This is groundbreaking. You know? Well, you've this had some amazing people on. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it really, it just kind of gets the news out there, gets the message out there, gets the stories out there and it needs to be told. Yeah. It needs to be shared. I mean, as Chris put in the very beginning is that we are documenting um, stories here. We are documenting history, you know, and this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, if we don't do it for ourselves, nobody else is gonna. No, that's true. Yep. You know, you know. So here All it right. is. You're documented, Ken. <laughs> now the Forever. world, now the world knows why you're pooch. And my job is to get this into the Smithsonian, then we'll be all set. Yeah. So, I love it. Yeah, I man. love it. All right, guys. All right, all right guys. Peace. Take care. Yeah.